All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of New Nerd Normal, a podcast where every episode, either me, my co-host Steven, or my co-host Vicky will tell the rest of us about something they know a lot about, and the rest of us will have no clue. I'm Dan. This episode, I'll be normal. What about for the rest of you? Uh, well, I'm Steven, and I'm going to be the nerd for this episode. I'm Vicky, and I'm going to be the new. <clears throat> all right, cool. So this episode's all about what, Steven? Uh, probably the best game in history, Kingdom Hearts. All right, so as the new, Vicky, why don't you tell us what you know about Kingdom Hearts so that everyone listening can cringe? So it... It should be real good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this, it's Disney and Final Fantasy combined. We're off to a good start. Um, <laughs> they're, yeah, like some sort of evil got put into the world or something. Um, but well, I might be just describing everything. Well, and I don't know why they're called the Heartless. Maybe they do something to people's hearts. I don't know. Um, but Mickey is a king. Um, there is a keyblade that I know what it looks like, but I don't know what it does. Um, I know that Donald never heals people on time, and people are very <laughs> upset about it. <laughs> um, That's the thing. Uh, there's Sora who is in some sort of love triangle and or is in love with someone who doesn't love him back or some, some sort of strife there. Um, and I know that there's a song that people like, that they play at work all the time, that's super weeby, um, that I think has to do with the love triangle, but I'm not sure. Can you sing part of it? Nope. Oh, God. <laughs> I was really hoping that it's would not, work. It's super, like, pretty. Um, I could definitely, like, if I heard it, I could go, oh, hey, that's from Kingdom Hearts, but I can't tell you, like, the name or any words. I'm pretty sure it's in Japanese. Are you talking about simple and clean? Simple and clean? Yeah. When you walk away, you don't hear me say, please, oh, baby. That one also sounds familiar, but I, that's not the one I think it is. I think this one might be instrumental. Oh, okay. Since we got what Vicky knows about it, Stephen, why don't you tell us what Kingdom Hearts is actually about? Oh, dear God. I mean, well, how long do we have? Uh, I, I mean, well, I guess I can give a little bit of the backstory first um, of what I know about the development of Kingdom Hearts. So uh, Kingdom Hearts was developed by Square Enix, which uh, originally was Square Soft and then switched over to Square Enix. And the head designer behind the Kingdom Hearts series is a man called Tetsuya Nomura. Um, and basically, Tetsuya Nomura came into <laughs> Square Soft when it was still that and worked his way up within the company, working on different games um, like the Final Fantasy series. Um, and then the story that kind of goes around the fandom of how Kingdom Hearts came to be was that Kingdom uh, that was that Square Enix um, and Disney actually were sharing an office building, and one day on an elevator, two of the head 
basically higher ups for both companies were talking. And one of them suggested that they get Disney involved with Square Enix. And um, Tetsuya Nomura actually like overheard this conversation and he said that he wanted to be involved. Um, so Disney uh, said, yeah, we, we want to, we want to, let's do something. Um, and then that's kind of how Kingdom Hearts was born. It originally was going to have Mickey as the protagonist, but Disney um, declined that because at the time they, and I granted they still are, but at the time they were very protective of Mickey and he could only show up um, in certain moments in certain video games, uh, depending on how the flow of the game was and with what Kingdom Hearts came to be, they didn't really want him to be a huge character in the first game because they knew there was going to be fighting involved. Um, and as you know, Disney is very, like, happy-go-lucky. Um, so the second idea, actually, was to have Donald as the main protagonist, which I, to this day, would have loved to have seen what would have happened if you would have played as Donald through the entire game series. Um, but then Tetsuya Nomura actually said that he really didn't want it to be any character from Disney. He wanted to create his own character. So he came up with the idea for Sora. Um, and in the beginning, Sora actually started out more animalistic. He was, he looked like a lion. Um, and that was because at the time of the first game, Lion King was, I think it had just come out in theaters, um, and it was doing really well, and it was one of Tetsuya Nomura's favorite movies, and so he said, we, maybe we should go with the Lion King look for our character. Um, but then it slowly turned into an actual human boy, um, and then to kind of, since they didn't get to have Mickey as the protagonist, he dressed Sora to look like Mickey, hence the big shoes and the red and the yellow. Um, and then the name Kingdom Hearts actually comes from the Disney parks. Uh, Tetsuya Nomura's favorite park at the time was Animal Kingdom, and he knew he wanted to kind of work in Kingdom somehow. And then the game's overall story uh, was about hearts, so Kingdom Hearts. Um, and then originally it was going to be swords that they were going to fight with, just kind of how kind of Final Fantasy is. Uh, but Disney was not about that at all. <laughs> so it turned into keys because keys are not as scary, I guess. Um, and they can't, you can't slice someone in two with a key. Um, so it well, not with that attitude. What, what, what year did this like start? Because I feel like Disney's done way worse than swords now. It started when Lion King came out. Oh, I mean, you said it, that I mean, it's, thing. it's been in development for probably longer than that. But um, uh -huh. over time, though, with the games coming out, the first one was so popular that Disney kind of started to loosen their grip. I think this was at a time when Disney was very protective of things. And they had um, kind of an old style view of what they wanted their brand to be and nowadays we know that disney is like super loose with a lot of their stuff so that's why in the second game mickey became much more of a prominent character who had a keyblade and who fought and he kind of was the darker side of mickey that you'll see most of the times so the first game really was to test to see if this was something that 
would be successful. And it was. Um, but even when it came out with as successful as it was, Disney still didn't really broadcast it everywhere. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, nowadays you can at certain events you can meet Donald and Goofy in their costumes from the game but when it was coming out there was really no products for it out there Disney really wasn't selling upselling it because I think that in their minds it was its own thing and that it kind of was a little adult for what they were going for but they were still letting it happen because it brought in a lot of money um so that's kind of how the game started and that's how we got the first Kingdom Hearts. Um, and to give kind of a basic overview of what the story is, because I'm, I'm, there's so many games at this point, I'll kind of just do the basic storyline. Um, there are people called Keyblade wielders in the world. Um, in the original game, it was only... Uh, you really only had Sora uh, had, had, who had a Keyblade. And then over time with the other games, it's developed into there's many more Keyblade wielders and all that stuff. And basically, the job of a Keyblade wielder is to go to different worlds and kind of protect those worlds from darkness and to seal the heart of the world, basically the keyhole of that world, to protect that from darkness. And in the first game, there's three characters, Sora, Kyrie and Riku, and they all live on an island called Destiny Island, and it's all they've ever known their entire lives. Like they just they've lived on this island their entire lives, but they they think they believe that there are other worlds out there that their island can't be the only thing in the universe. Um, and kind of how we think Earth and you know out there in space that there might be more. Um, and so they are trying to leave the island to go off and discover other worlds. Well, through um, a series of events, uh, Riku basically gets turned to darkness by the Disney villains who show up, um, headed by Maleficent, um, and they kind of persuaded him to work for them and to gather uh, princesses of light to basically bring them all together to open a door to a thing called Kingdom Hearts. Um, and Kingdom Hearts is, it's many different things. Uh, you know, really, we're still unsure with what Kingdom Hearts is, even with the third game coming out. It's kind of, there's a the world of darkness and the world of light coming together. And they, basically, they want control over the world of darkness or the world of light. Um, so... The first game is all about Sora uh, teaming up with Goofy and Donald to uh, basically try to bring Riku back to the side of light. They're also looking for King Mickey, uh, who has run off to try to figure out what this Kingdom Hearts stuff is. And then also they're trying to save Kairi, who Riku has taken because she is one of the princesses of light, um, along with other princesses like Cinderella, Alice from Alice in Wonderland, Jasmine... And um, over all of this is a character called uh, Master Xehanort, who you don't really meet in the first game. Um, you meet his Heartless, who is, uh, um, God, I'm, oh my gosh, this is so much information. Um, Wait, so what's a Heartless exactly? So a Heartless is the part of a person's heart that is dark. So basically it is the darkness in somebody. And that can, that can turn into, a human form so the stronger it is 
the more likely it is to turn into a human form. Whereas, you know, in the game, there's the little tiny ones that are like little black and creepy things. Those are kind of the heartless of more normal standard humans. Um, so uh, basically, in the first game, you meet Master Xehanort's Heartless, who is Ansem, Seeker of Darkness. Um, and he's kind of like this young, beautiful version of Master Xehanort. Um, so that's what a Heartless is. And that's basically why uh, Sora has to defeat them, because they take hearts of people and once you defeat a heartless, it releases the heart of a person to like go on to the afterlife, basically. So the more people who get killed, basically, um, who turn into heartlesses, the more heartlesses there are. And that's kind of what um, Ansem wants and Xehanort want control over is the darkness. They want to control an army of darkness, basically. So... That's kind of a rough example of kind of what's going on. And at the end of the first game, they beat Ansem, spoiler alert, and uh, the dark, and they basically shut the door to Kingdom Hearts and they save Kyrie and all is happy-go-lucky until the second game where you meet Master Xehanort and then you meet, and then basically it kind of turns into Harry Potter almost because Xehanort has split himself in his soul into different um, embodiments of himself. So instead of it being Horcruxes, it's basically like a younger version of himself. And then you've got his Heartless. And then also uh, things called Nobodies come into play, which Nobodies are basically um, another version of yourself. So it's like kind of almost your other half that lives in the inside of you. Um, and that comes into play. And so... And the, yeah, it's this whole thing, but um, just to keep it basic for now, um, unless you have, you want to get into it deeper, that's kind of the basic storyline is there are Keyblade wielders who are trying to stop the people who want to seek darkness from taking control of Kingdom Hearts. All right, and for anyone who hasn't played it besides Vicky, what type of game is it? Um, it's an, I would say it's a JRPG. Um, instead of turn-based fighting, though, it's just normal in running into battle natural fighting, though. Now, granted, it depends on the game that you're playing, because certain ones are different. There's uh, one that uses card-based fighting, where you have different cards, um, and you can fight with those. Um, there was one that was made for the cell phone, which was a, a block game. Um, and that's kind of where the Kingdom Hearts pain train comes into play, because it was supposed to start out as one game with the possible chance of a sequel, which is why at the end of the first game, if you beat it completely, um, like on proud mode, then you get a secret ending, which is kind of setting up for the future. But then it became so successful that now it's turned into, I think, 10 plus games. And the problem is, is that all of the games have important information to the story. So you can't, like, 
which is which is actually something that really affected players in the beginning was um, these little side games came out in between one and two. Um, uh, which would be Kingdom Hearts Unchained, and a lot of people didn't play it because they didn't have the system, the Game Boy Advance at the time. And they were like, when Kingdom Hearts 2 came out, no one knew that there was important stuff from Unchained that was then put into Kingdom Hearts 2. So if you want to know the entire story, you kind of have to play all the games. Um, And luckily now, there are... uh, ways with the PlayStation with the third game that now that the third game has come out uh, they have all the games on like a like a one package deal so you can play everything up to the point of Kingdom Hearts 3 and know the entire storyline because if you go into Kingdom Hearts 3 only playing Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 you're going to be very confused <laughs> so since you've now heard the story from all of them Vicky should I assume you're not confused by this I feel like I'm missing a lot, but I have a much better overview, and I'm very proud that I happen to guess that the hearts are being stolen. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, and what I just said was a very, like, loose, you know, plot line of the first one. I mean, it really didn't go into the second one or the third one. There's so much more i mean that comes into play with the uh organization 13 which is an which is an organization of nobodies and heartlesses and um the there's the story of the three uh, keyblade wielders before sora riku and kairi aqua ventus, ventus and terra there's a side storyline about Heart, uh, Sora's nobody named Roxas and his whole involvement in the story. Um, and then there's going all the way back to the beginning, uh, a story about the foretellers who were basically the original Keyblade wielders um, who lived in the age of fairy tales and were guided by kind of a godlike character called the Master of Masters who knows everything about what's going to happen in the future um, because he can foresee it. And so he kind of is throughout every, he, he didn't appear until recently with um, a, thing, a thing called Back Cover that was released, but he's kind of been around the entire time watching the events of what happens in all the games. Um, so he kind of knows what's going on and uh, he's actually my favorite character in the game um, just cause he's got a, you, we don't even know who he is yet. He he basically wears a jacket, which, uh, if you know the game series, are these black long leather jackets. And we've never seen his face. And so that's one of the big secrets uh, for future is that we're kind of waiting to see who the master of masters is and what his plan is for um, everything that's going to happen in the future of the game series. Uh because we don't really know what why he's what his involvement with Kingdom Hearts is yet. Just that he's kind of in the background, kind of coaxing characters to do certain things. Um, but yeah, so was there a live love triangle? Am I making that up? So Sora, I, I I assume what you're what you're thinking of is half canon, half fandom. Um, oh, this to happen. Uh, Sora is technically in love with Kyrie, um, who basically 
she it's kind of like a Mario and Princess Peach scenario where he goes off to save her whenever she gets in trouble. And, uh, you know, she kind of has the habit of having stuff happen to her and he comes along and tries to save her and they're in love, but they technically, but I mean, granted, you don't really know because they never like kiss. They just are always kind of happy to be with each other. Um, and, uh, there's another character named Riku, which Sora is technically their best friends. Um, so canically, Sora and Kyrie are basically an item, but there are a lot of fans who would like that if Sora and Riku were a thing, because their storyline, you know, it sometimes can play out with the scenes that it seems like they should actually be together just based on their relationship. Um, but also Riku loves Kyrie as well. So, um, it's kind of confusing because it's like one wants Kyrie, but the other one wants Kyrie, and that's why Riku kind of submits to the darkness because he knows he's going to get Kyrie if he goes to the darkness. Um, but then there's a bunch of other characters that get added that kind of confuse it because then you start seeing relationships build between the three main characters with these other characters, and who knows in the future where that might go. But ultimately, in the end, Sora and Kairi are kind of a thing. And you really get that in the end of the third game. Yeah, I just, I remember, like, probably, like, 2009, like, a series of Paramore fan-made videos of, like, this this love triangle. And that's some of my only experience with Kingdom Hearts. So... <laughs> Definitely not as big of a deal as I thought it was. Uh, no. I mean, she is... Her and uh, Sora... She's just basically the reason that Sora goes off on these adventures. And, um, yeah. <laughs> so, each game has more worlds that they go into. Is it always the case that they're having to rescue a princess? Or... No, so the first game, the, the the big draw that I think brought a lot of fans on board was that it was such an odd game that there, like, nothing like this had ever come before where it was, like, two different gigantic corporations coming together and putting their characters in the same game. And to be honest, it is very odd to see... Um, you know the example that a lot of people use is goofy and cloud in the same universe it's like if you know cloud he's this very brooding and like killer and a dark kind of guy and then you've got goofy over here who's like happy-go-lucky all the time um but that was what that was what the huge draw was with the first game was that it was final fantasy characters coming into the same world as disney characters um but as the games progressed, it started to become less about the Final Fantasy characters and more about the characters that were specifically created for Kingdom Hearts because they gained their own popular following. Um, and so the first game is more about Sora going to save the girl that he loves and kind of learning a little bit about what Kingdom Hearts is and what kind of what what the what Master Xehanort um who is basically Ansem, 
that Heartless in the game, that version of him, wants to do with the darkness. Um, and then also the Disney villains get involved because obviously the Disney villains love darkness and they want to control it too. So that becomes a whole thing. Um, and then the second game is more about... So basically at the end of the first game, spoiler, Sora, uh, which you learn this in Unchained, which is a companion game that comes after the first first one, Sora loses all of his memories um, of what happened in the first game. So basically he is put into this isolation tank along with Goofy and Donald, and it basically rebuilds Sora's memories um, by use of Sora's nobody, which is Roxas, which is basically the other part of him. And so you learn more about Roxas, who is Sora's other half. And then um, Sora, basically at the end of the first part of the second game, Roxas and Sora come back together and Roxas goes back inside of Sora and all of the memories come back and he is complete again. And the second game is all about him learning about this organization called Organization 13, who now are working with Master Xehanort to basically try to open Kingdom Hearts again and uh, have Master Xehanort control darkness. And Organization 13 is 13 different um, characters who basically are evil uh, at the beginning. And then over time, uh, some of them leave the organization. Uh, well, like one of them at least does. And uh, a couple others do in the third game because they don't like where the, they, they're not completely turned to darkness and evil. Um, and so you kind of learn about them in the second game and it's kind of trying to stop them from what they are doing. Um, you also learn that there's another character called Ansem the Wise, uh, who basically Ansem, uh, the heart, uh, the Seeker of Darkness, stole his name from. Um, and he's kind of the reason that all of this studying of Kingdom Hearts came about. He lived, he lived with all of these members of the organization, and they were scientists, and they were studying hearts, and basically discovered that, you know, this whole thing called Kingdom Hearts, where you could control darkness or light um and so he's trying to now stop uh xehanort as well um so that's kind of what the second game is about is kind of stopping uh xehanort again um but this time it's as his so the first game is sorry this is confusing the first game is about the heartless version of xehanort which is ansem seeker of darkness the second game is about defeating Xehanort's nobody, which is Xemnas. Wait, so, so what happened to his heart in the first, the first thing you said? So Xehanort has two different versions of himself. Yes. He has his heartless, which is Ansem's Seeker of Darkness. Yes. And he has his nobody, which is Xemnas. So in the first game, you defeat his heartless. So if oh, okay. He's defeated. He's gone. The second game, you meet Xemnas, which is Xehanort's nobody, and you defeat him. And then you also kind of meet Xehanort a little bit. You, you learn more about him as well. And then in the third game, it's all about finally defeating Xehanort, 
the evil, the, the ultimate evil guy. Um, and there, and so that's kind of what the third game is about is, is basically everybody you've met all not uh, like all your friends that you met from the first game and the second game coming together and defeating the organization and then defeating Xehanort and basically stopping, uh, kingdom hearts from turning to darkness um and then along that there's nine other games that kind of teach you about those other characters that you meet along the way so there's a game that's completely devoted to roxas and learning all about him there's a game that's devoted to uh three characters that were keyblade wielders before sora riku and kairi um that you meet uh there's a game that's all about kind of uh, Donald and Goofy's uh, trying to get Sora's memories back and stuff. So there's a lot of different things that you have to cover if you want the full story. I mean, I've never met anyone who's played one, two, and three and been able to grasp what's going on, but you can, I guess. I mean, they put a lot of stuff in the games to help you understand what's going on. Um, but even for me, like right now, I guarantee you there will be like people that will listen to this and go, oh, my God, he's so wrong. Like it's but it's such a confusing thing that to try to make it like an easy thing for someone to learn is very difficult. <laughs> so so we picked the most convoluted plot for our first episode. Yes. And that is literally what everybody says about Kingdom Hearts is it is the most convoluted story, um, you know, ever, because it just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder. Um, and I mean, I, I didn't even go into the time travel. Time travel gets involved and that's oh, no. a whole thing. And, you know, anytime time travel gets involved, it gets, you know, that that becomes a whole thing. So, um, yeah, so that kind of is the basic structure of the three games if i was gonna if i'm gonna lay it out in an easy way for someone to understand there is an evil guy who has two separate versions of himself and in the first game you would defeat one the second game you defeat one and the third one you defeat the ultimate bad guy that's pretty so getting back to the base of base questions the keyblade is that just his sword sora's sword is there what's the significance of the keyblade or is that all of the blades so the keyblade has been around for a long time there were um, as i said before there were characters all the way back in the beginning of basically the existence of what they call the world of fairy tales or the time of fairy tales called the foretellers and there were five of them um and each one basically had their own faction of uh i guess i would say an army of kids that worked behind them um and they would help them defeat darkness all over the place um but there was the, the, these disputes started to happen and then there was the question of a uh traitor amongst the foretellers that basically led them to have an all-out war called the keyblade war and most of the people most of the kids which is crazy to say in a disney game lost their lives in this keyblade war um and so but there were a couple that survived through that through the help of one foreteller um who 
told them not to go to battle and they basically came, went on to be protectors of the world and then that kind of turned into over centuries keyblade wielder after keyblade wielder um coming you know one would pass off the knowledge to the other one and then the other one and that's kind of how you get to sora uh riku and kairi becoming keyblade wielders because there were three keyblade wielders that came before them and that was venta ventus Aqua and Terra, who were also training to become Keyblade Masters, and they, each one in their own right, um, became one, basically. Uh, Ventus uh, has a whole other plot line, but I won't go into that. Um, and they passed on their abilities to wield a Keyblade to the respective three other characters. So Aqua passed on her ability to Sora, uh, Terra passed on his ability to Riku, and Ventus, I believe, passed on his ability. No, Ventus did not pass on his ability. Kyrie, Kyrie had to learn herself later on how to wield a Keyblade. She was originally not a part of this. Um, but the other two got the ability passed on to them, and that's why in the first game, Sora is able to conjure a Keyblade. Um, and so the Keyblade, to answer your question, is basically his weapon um, that he uses not only to defeat darkness, because it's the only, uh, it really, uh, it, it's the only weapon that can really defeat darkness. Um, uh, Donald and, and Goofy can use their magic and uh, shield to do it as well. Um, but it also uh, is used to seal the keyholes to certain worlds. So in the first game, you learn that basically worlds are being destroyed. And that's kind of what King Mickey has gone to investigate. It's that, you know, stars in the universe are blinking out. So all these worlds are disappearing. So he's trying to figure out what's going on. And it's because darkness is overtaking these worlds and basically destroying them. So, um, the way to think about it is basically think of your favorite Disney universe, like Toy Story, whatever, and think of it being killed, basically. Um, oh, so no. Sora goes to these different worlds, such as Tarzan and Winnie the Pooh, and after, through a series of events, finds the heart of that world, which is a keyhole, and seals it from being destroyed by darkness. And that's basically what a Keyblade does, is it stops darkness from overtaking a world and killing it. Okay. Yeah. That's not convoluted at all. I don't know why people say that. I know. There's <laughs> gonna Everyone who listens to this is going to be like, this is confusing as hell. And yeah, like, I think welcome. I just got given like four different subplots. I mean, I can answer any question you have. It's probably easier to do this by just answering questions than trying to explain it. Why is Mickey a king? Is he a king of his own kingdom? Is Does he have his own world that he came out of? Yes. So he lives in a world called um, basically Disney Town. That's what they call it. Um, it's, basically, oh, no. it's basically Toontown. And he lives inside of a sort of Cinderella-esque castle. Um, and he is the king of that. But he also kind of governs all of the the worlds in some way because he's trying to figure out what's going on with them so think of him as the king of the disney 
uh, part of the game. And uh, he also is trying to understand the darkness and Kingdom Hearts. And uh, he, uh, in the second game, really the first time you meet him in the second game, appears in one of the black coats that the organization wears. Uh, and, you know, he's trying to figure out what's going on with this darkness stuff so that he can stop it too, because Mickey is all about light and happiness and that's his, you know, ultimate goal. So, yeah. So... And, then Don and then Donald and Goofy basically live with him in the castle and Donald is the head magician and Goofy is the head of the Royal Guard. And then there's Queen Minnie and also Oh, I was going to say, where's Minnie? Okay. Yeah, Minnie is the queen and then Daisy lives with them too. And um, so they all kind of have their own subplot going on as well. So does he already know everybody? that Like all the worlds that they're going into or is he discovering these things as well? He's discovering these things as well because he doesn't really know. Um, he, he knows about Sora. Because uh, he sends Donald and Goofy to look for Sora. And that's kind of how you meet Donald and Goofy is they're looking for you, Sora. And once they figure it out, they're like, oh, the king has been, we've been trying to find you because we need you to help us find our king. Um, and that's kind of how the first game ends is uh, uh, so, uh, Mickey along with Riku and Sora shutting the door to darkness, basically. So the darkness of Kingdom Hearts doesn't get out and destroy the world. Or worlds. Okay. And that's the only time you see Mickey in the first game is actually at the end of the game. Because Disney did not have an... Disney did not know if this was going to go well. So they were like, you can use Mickey, but you can only use him for like four minutes of the game. So... <laughs> His, and you don't even fully see him. His shadow appears at the end of the game and you hear him say, like, you know, like, let's shut the door to darkness. And he shuts the door. Um, and then once the second game came out, they were like, oh, this is successful. We'll let you use Mickey. And then Mickey becomes a much bigger part of the game. So, like, because I'm pretty sure my best friend has mentioned, like, being excited she got to play certain characters. You play like multiple characters throughout the game or are you Sora the whole time? So the first game you are mainly Sora, but as the games progress, you get to play as different characters. Um, the second game uh, starts with an hour long prologue where you play as Roxas and you kind of learn all about him um, until he reconnects with Sora. Uh, and then in the third game, you get to play as Riku um, and then the one that people, for some reason, really wanted to play as was Kyrie, And you finally get to play as Kyrie um, as well in the third game. So uh, you, get to, you get to play as a lot of different characters and kind of see how their what their fighting style is and all that stuff. So does it function a lot on cutscenes? Yes. If you are not a cutscene person, then Kingdom Hearts probably is not the game to play but um i think the thing that the thing the reason that it's so successful is because it does combine the disney stuff so it's 
anyone can really sit down and play it and enjoy it because everybody loves Disney. And then if you're a Final Fantasy fan, you also get that aspect as well. Um, plus, the cool thing about Kingdom Hearts is it kind of takes your favorite Disney movie and kind of warps it a little bit and makes it a little more dark. Um, something that I really liked about the third game versus the first and second games was that in the first and second games, Sora would just go to a Disney world. So like he would go to the world of Aladdin and he would be in the story of Aladdin that we know from the movie. And which, you know, you, I guess you can shut off that t- part of your brain and say, okay, I guess Sora was here the whole time. <laughs> we just never saw them. Um, but what I liked about the third game was that they started to create their own storylines with the Disney worlds for how the, the Kingdom Hearts story could connect with that world. So, for example, in Monsters, Inc., the Heartless were trying to go into kids' rooms and, and scare them so that it would unleash the darkness within them. Oh, and then they could collect the rad. darkness. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then... Uh, uh, another storyline from the third game was Frozen, and it was basically the plot of the movie, but how they kind of warped it for Kingdom Hearts was that uh, the organization was trying to get closer to Elsa because Elsa is so upset because of all the crap that goes down in Arendelle and runs off to be in her own castle. And so her darkness is basically like brimming with inside her. And they're like, uh, they're trying to get to her so that they can unleash the full potential of her darkness and have her join them. Um, Whereas Sora comes in and basically stops her from doing that and turning into the world and turning back to light, basically. I hate to cut this short, but our allotted time through this is about done. Oh, okay. Um, so real quick, Vicky, does this conversation make you want to play Kingdom Hearts? Yeah, no, I was actually thinking this feels like it ends in me spending money. <laughs> well, and I, I will tell you, really. I'll go ahead. I, I don't, I don't. I don't really know where I was going to go besides it seems like there's so many different stations and ways to play it that I don't even know where I'd begin, which is funny because I have, I actually have uh, the first game and one of the like in between games, but I have not played it because I'm overwhelmed because I know I'm going to get into it. Well, I will say now is a great time if you are a Kingdom Hearts or wanting to get into Kingdom Hearts, um, because like I said before, um, if you go on to, I mean, you can buy physical copies, but if you go to the PlayStation store, they now have two, their names are really hard to um, remember, but it's like Kingdom Hearts X Unchained something, um, where you can get the first game and the second game and then two of the companion games all on one thing. So basically you're getting the first half of the story that you need to know. And then there's another one where you can buy where you get the second half of the story that you need to know. And then you can get the third game. Um, So you can play literally everything up to the point of the third game and know exactly what's happening once you do all that, of what's going on in the third game. Um, So it's a good time to be a Kingdom Hearts fan because for a long time, that option was not available. Like you had to buy 
the system of the day, like the Nintendo DS or the uh, whatever, the PS Vita, or to play certain games. Um, but now they're all together. Um, and kind of to end my story of this um, is sort of how what the, the future of the game uh so long story short, because I know we're short on time, um, Nomura uh, was working um, on Final Fantasy 13 Verses, which actually became, in the end, Final Fantasy 15, um, which I'm sure, I don't know if you guys, either of you have played. Um, but he always was kind of bitter that he got moved off of the project of making Final Fantasy 13 verses. He basically got moved to a different project. Um, and so in the third game, uh, you go to Toy Story World and there's an ad for like a, like a commercial ad for a video game at the beginning of the Toy Story level. And it's for a game called Virum Rex. And you just like, honestly, it looks like Final Fantasy 13 verses, like what the game that Nomura wanted to make. Um, and you just think that it's a fun little Easter egg, basically, in the game. And it's like, oh, that's cute. Like, that's the video game in the Toy Story world that Rex wants to play. Well, <laughs> come to find out at the end that the character, Viram Rex, in that video game is actually a real person in his own universe. And that is going to be a huge plot point in the next coming game. Um, basically... Uh, what a lot of fans think, theorize, or at least what I, I theorize myself, is that the next games are going to focus more on Final Fantasy worlds versus Disney worlds. I think the Disney aspect will still be there, but you actually see a couple of Final Fantasy worlds at the end of the third game. And uh, Viram Rex seems to be that he's going to be kind of the main protagonist of the next game. And it's also going to be all about the foretale, for, foretellers that I mentioned before. And you're going to get to learn um, kind of what the master of masters is doing and hopefully who he is. Um, my theory for what the future of Kingdom Hearts is, is that the master of masters basically watched all of this stuff play out before him in Sora's universe, which I like to call the universe of dreams. I think, I don't think Sora lives in like a different universe next to Earth. I think that Sora's universe is basically the world of which humans dreams. Cause you know, like Disney is all about dreams and magic and all that stuff. So that's kind of where I think Sora comes from. Um, and then in the end of the third game, Sora wakes up in Japan, basically. And so now I think that the future of the game is going to be the Master of Masters trying to basically recreate Kingdom Hearts, but in the real world. Oh, yeah, because you said Japan, and I was like, I didn't see that coming. Like a real life place. That's neat. Yeah, yeah. Which there's a video game that takes place. Uh, uh, in Japan called The World um, Ends With You, I believe it's called. Um, and so that is a whole nother level that you're gonna add on in the future games. Um, and then one thing I didn't mention is there is a box that has been around since the beginning of time. It's this black box. And uh, basically 
it's been bestowed to someone, uh, someone that the master of masters trusts and it's never been opened. And he, he basically tells him like, never open this almost like a Pandora's box basically. And everyone's trying to get their hands on this box to see what's inside it. And we still don't know what's inside this box. So that's kind of where the series is going is we're hopefully going to learn what's inside this box. We're going to learn what the master of masters is doing. And we're also going to kind of learn the fate of Sora um, in the future, basically. And also how Viram Rex, a.k.a. his real name is Yazora, plays into all this as well. So I just made it more confusing, but there you go. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. So before we head out, uh, Vicky, since you are going to be next episode's nerd, why don't you give us the worst possible description of what that topic's going to be? <laughs> uh, there is a war that a 12-year-old has to end every anime using magic yes just like so kingdom hearts (laughs) yeah (laughs) every episode is kingdom hearts (laughs) (laughs) all right well all right so uh yeah anyone who thinks they know what we're talking about let us know uh and until then i hope everyone has a good however long it takes for the next episode to come out and bye oh yeah may your heart be your guiding key bye-bye he said that bye